You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Big Blue View Radio. And we have a name, everybody. We're just going to roll with the ever-creative Chris and Nick show, going over to the NFL draft, the beloved New York Giants. It is myself, Nick Filato, and Chris Flum. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, uh, Harley got me up at like 2 o'clock in the morning to go out, so I'm dragging just a little bit, but I can work through it. I can push through. Yeah, push through, man. You know, this will be your Michael Jordan game. You know, more coffee the better. <laughs> but today we're going to be going over the wide receiver prospects in the 2022 NFL draft. Last year, the New York Giants went with Kadarius Toney after signing Kenny Galladay to this massive deal. It was a bit of a surprise, although – I appreciated the trade back situation. and Now the Giants sit pretty with the seventh overall pick along with the fifth overall pick in the top 10 of this current draft. But when we go over the wide receivers in this 2022 NFL draft, you see a bunch of different styles, a bunch of different body types and a lot of interesting players. It seems like Chris every single year over the last several years, it's almost another wide receiver class that is more than likely going to be great with NFL players that we're going to know well into the future. Yeah, we, we really are in kind of a golden age of wide receiver play coming out of college. You know, the DB play, you know, there's there's some issues with tackling, we'll say, coming out of college. And it's tough for colleges to find and develop NFL caliber offensive linemen. But man, do they excel at getting athletes the ball in space they colleges are just churning out wide receivers at a ridiculous rate right now absolutely and the 2019 draft is the one draft recently or was it the 2018 draft with calvin ridley where it was like it was the 2018 draft where it was like and eh, these wide receivers are lacking comparatively to other draft classes and then since then we've seen just absolute studs come into the NFL and we all remember the 2014 draft class with Mike Evans, Odell Beckham Jr., Brandon Cooks, Sammy Watkins. It was just absolute studs. But let's turn the page to this draft right here, Chris. I mean at the top of the draft when we look at some of these top guys I still think my number one wide receiver from what I've seen is probably Jamison Williams. And that's with the fact that he tore his ACL in the last game of the season, which is tragic for him, but it seems like he may be available for the start of the season, whoever takes him. What are your thoughts on Jamison Williams? He is kind of the one guy who kind, who really has it all in this draft class. He's got the pedigree, you know, started out at Ohio state and went to Alabama for an opportunity, which is kind of weird to think about, yeah. but that's because the two other guys we're going to be talking about. He's got size. He's got speed. He's got good ball skills. He can track the ball down the field. He can just, <clears throat> sorry. Yeah. He, he can win short. He can win long. He, he is the guy who can really do it all. And I think he could probably line up in any position. Yeah. That's what I think as well. You can put this guy in the slot. You can have him as a, X, you can have him as a Z. I think the 
best way to use him is just anywhere. I don't think you want to pigeonhole him because this guy has that Jalen Waddle type of speed. He might not be as fast as Jalen Waddle, but I feel like maybe this is due to his injury. We heard a lot more about Jalen Waddle's speed last year than we do about Jamison Williams' speed this year. And I don't know if that's really a genuine thought process because Jalen Waddle, yeah, he might have been a little bit faster, but you watch some of this Jamison Williams tape, and I went through a bunch of Alabama offense, and dude, I was just like, dude, this guy is just insane, taking the top off the defense, tracking down the field, showing body adjustment, body control. He can run all the routes in the route tree, and I think this is still, he could be, I don't know if he will be, but he could be the top overall pick in this draft at the wide receiver position despite the injury, and I think the player who rivals him is probably Drake London, another player who had an injury. Yeah, the I think the top of this draft class will be very interesting just because you've got the two Alabama players, both of whom tore their ACLs, basically one right after the other with uh, John Mechie the third and Jameson Williams. They, I think, could have been the top two receivers off the board if they had been able to stay healthy, you know, go through that playoff, the the Alabama's playoff push healthy, get more recent tape out there and then perform at the combine. You know, I think with both of them, you know, Mechie in particular, there's that kind of out of sight, out of mind uh, phenomenon going on where people just haven't seen them in a few months. And the last thing they remember is them getting hurt. So they, I think they're kind of discounting those guys just a little bit, even though Williams could still be, the first guy off the board and you've got the two Ohio state guys, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, again, two really, really good wide receivers. They got to play at the, or perform at the combine. They had really impressive workouts. And then there's Drake London guy. You just bring, just brought up big bodied. He's athletic, maybe not as athletic as uh, Jason Williams or Chris Olave or those guys, but he's athletic, he, good body control. He can, win kind of all over the field. And I was honestly surprised at how, how well he played with the ball in his hands. So was I, man. I, I went into Drake London's tape and I kept my mind open, but I heard like, this isn't somebody who's going to beat you deep. He rarely got behind cornerbacks. And honestly, I saw that a lot in his film, which is problematic because we've seen a lot of those big bodied contested catch wide receivers coming to the NFL and not really play all that well. Like the Laquan Treadwells of the world, players like that. Dude, Drake London, he climbs the ladder with the body control, plucks away from his frame. The concentration on some of those catches that I saw against Washington State, against Colorado, it's hard to, to look at his skill set and say NFL teams are going to, aren't going to find a role for a player like this because this is an ideal guy that you line up as the X receiver on the backside of a three-by-one set, and you just feast on one-on-one matchups. I wish he had a little bit more speed. I really, really do. But I still can see a scenario where this guy is selected in the top 20, and he steps into the NFL and just becomes one of those guys on third down and in the red zone that are absolute nightmares for smaller defensive backs because he just has that size, that six-foot-four frame, that 220-pound frame where he can just box players out and just – absolutely dominate in that area of the game and I think you're right too Chris he showed a little bit more elusiveness than I thought as well he was like jumping over dudes and stuff on his film yeah he's jumping over dudes I I actually liked his field vision as a runner with the football finding you know those little creases to pick up you know chunk yardage and then using his size to break arm tackles to even carry DBs for a little ways when he had to 
you know, the question for him, I think, is is he going to be Kenny Galladay as that uh, a contested catch player because he has to be a contested catch player, or can he be can he become a Mike Evans player where? Yes, he can win in contested situations, but he doesn't have to. He can win with his route running. He can create separation. You know, the, more and more, uh, a contested catch receiver, put you know air quotes around that, is becoming a little bit of a red flag to me just because if you are in those contested catch situations enough where you have to get good at them, that kind of means you're not getting a whole hell of a lot of separation out of your routes. And I do wonder how that affects long-term durability because you know legs get legs get tangled up you can come down awkwardly you could have a db land on your ankle or something like that and you know if you give nfl defensive backs that many chances where they're always within a yard or two of you yeah that gives them a lot of opportunities to make bad things happen for your offense it does. And I saw a little bit of nuance to his route running that, that could pay off in the NFL. That was this play against Notre Dame that went for 44 yards in the fourth quarter with 1124 left. It was a cop route. So that's a corner post route. And he stuck the corner pretty hard, good shoulder fake, head nod, and exploded off that outside foot and kind of gained separation and leverage on the safety who now had a bad angle because he sold that outside route very well. Ended up climbing the ladder over the top of that safety and making a nice contested catch. But it's not something you see all too prevalently. I think he would probably be a little bit more of Kenny Galladay than Mike Evans, just because I think Mike Evans is kind of a unicorn. And he's also, and I've said this before on this podcast, the king of the offensive push-off that never gets called. <laughs> yeah, he, he's kind of the inverse of Darrell Rivas, where Rivas had, yeah, as great an athlete as he was, as great as his technique and foot quickness and hip fluidity and all of that were as a press man corner, he was the un he was the undisputed master of defensive pass interference and hiding it from the refs. Like he just knew how to hold guys and just give them just a little bit of a, a grab, a little bit of a pull to disrupt their route and put himself in position. And Mike Evans is kind of the master of doing that on the offensive side where he can use his size to shield what he's doing from the from the officials <laughs> and he's so quick with his hands in those situations but I want to bring up two guys that you brought up a little bit ago and I kind of want to put you on the spot here Chris and these are both the Ohio State receivers Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson if you had to choose one for the New York Giants which direction do you lean I think I kind of st- stay with where I was at the beginning of the season and throughout the season. And I lean a little bit more towards Olave. I know Garrett Wilson has passed him in a lot of the, a lot of the public boards and a lot of uh, our contemporaries out in the uh, draft Twitter sphere, but Olave, he is a, he's just a nice route runner. He can I'm not going to say he's the best route runner in this draft. I'll, I'll get to that guy in a minute. But I, I think he runs a nice full route tree. He's a precise route runner. He knows how to create separation with his routes. And he's got enough athleticism to fully unlock that route tree as a weapon. And I think he's also just a very, very smooth player. One thing that kind of jumped out to me with Garrett Wilson, particularly at the combine when you had all of the guys just doing the exact same drill, 
one right after the other is that Wilson was a little bit wild. Like you would see him kind of almost flail his arms and legs <laughs> as he was getting ready to make a catch. And that just seemed weird to me. Now, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's good for keeping DBs away. They don't know if they're going to get hit or kicked or what, but yeah, I, I prefer a guy who is just smooth and efficient in his movements. And that's Olave, and that's been Olave even before he went back for his senior year. He was somebody who was being discussed as a first-round talent if he came out last year. And they both ran and tested similarly. Olave's vertical jump, I think, was 32 inches. Garrett Wilson's was 36. Wilson ran a 4.38. Olave ran a 4.39, even though before the official times came out, Chris, it was like a 4.2-something, and everyone's like, whoa, that's insane. And it ended up being bullcrap in the end, which is unfortunate, but still, a 4.39 is plenty fast. And how many times on Saturday did we see Chris Olave take the top off of a defense? It's something that he kind of did routinely. Yeah, d- uh, damn near every single game. Yeah. He- he kind of got the reputation of being a possession guy, but he does not have to be. He can be a, a legit vertical threat. Yes. And I want to get into two more players who are complete opposites of each other. But I want let's start with Traylon Burks. He's the wide receiver from Arkansas, a big body type of wide receiver that you would expect to be that prototypical X type of guy. But then you'll look at how he was used at Arkansas he was used like Debo Samuel. Do you think this guy could step into the NFL and be a somewhat poor man's version of a big body Debo Samuel? Uh, yeah, that is exactly the feeling I got watching him where yes, he can win down the field, but he is at his best when you get him the ball you know, in that short to intermediate area and you get him room to run. You put him in a route concept where he is going to have open field in front of him. You know, maybe scheme him a little bit of separation, a little bit of a, you know, just a, a slight rub, no, nothing flagrant, just you know, maybe force a, a DB to get, to give him a little bit of room to work and then let him work. And his size, his vision, his burst, you know, he is, not a great athlete he is not the same kind of athlete that Debo is but yet he turns into a big-bodied running back when he gets the ball in space that's exactly how it seems every time you turn on his film and there were people talking before the draft that he was going to run like a 4-3-9 or something you know hover around 4-4 I thought he was probably going to be a little bit faster than a 4-5-5 which was the official time at the combine, but still, this is somebody who has a unique utilization. I've heard people compare him to a big body LaVisca Chenault when he came out of school. I can also see that. And I know that hasn't necessarily transpired positively down in Jacksonville, but I'm not going to blame that on Chenault. It's more of a product of the mess we know as the Jacksonville (laughs) Jags. One more player. And then we'll kind of go into some, I don't want to say later round guys, but day two guys, day three guys. And that's Penn State's Jahan Dotson. This is somebody who a lot of people have compared to last year. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. 
so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So wide receiver out of Ole Miss, Elijah Moore. I don't know if he's that efficient as a route runner, but Dotson is somebody who he's a very interesting guy from everything that I've seen. What's your projection with him? Yeah, I, he is one of the guys I have in contention as the, potentially the best route runner in this draft class. He is to me just super savvy. He he is kind of a chess player as a route runner where he will set DBs up and get them, you know, looking left and then all of a sudden cut right and, you know, get them to turn their hips early. And then they've got to flip them 180, 270 degrees to keep up with him. And he has that kind of quick twitch to go with really good long speed to make them pay for every single mistake he makes. And he isn't a big receiver, but he plays big. Like he is really good at catching the ball away from his frame at using his burst and explosiveness to expand his catch radius. And when you can do that and have a guy who is a a good route runner, again, like you said, maybe not the most efficient route runner, but a very smart route runner. Yeah. That is a really good combination of tools. Yeah, you know, I didn't want to say like he was a bad. I was more speaking towards what Moore could do as a route runner because he was when I turned on his tape last year, I was like, dude, that guy's good. <laughs> like, like I was like 10 plays into his tape. I'm like, this guy's gonna be a good football player. And he showed that, I think, with the Jets. We'll see where that goes. Now, Christian Watson to me. Somebody, this is the wide receiver from North Dakota State, six foot four, about 210 pounds. And I think I brought this up on the podcast before. He kind of has a similar type of usage to Traylon Burks, how he was used at Arkansas in terms that they love to get him on jet sweeps. They loved a lot of design touches. May not be the best route runner downfield or run the whole route tree, but get the football in his hands and then watch him go. But Christian Watson is, I think, a little bit bigger than Burks is in terms of his height. And he's a lot faster and I would say probably more athletic. I love the thought of him playing with Kyle Shanahan. What are your overall thoughts on Christian Watson? Um, As a fan of football, I love that idea. If I am anyone who has to play defense against that pairing, uh, that terrifies me. Because Christian Watson has one of the most unique skill sets I think we have seen in a long time at the wide receiver position. So like you said, he is a he is a tall, long guy, you know, six foot four, two ten. He could probably get bigger, but I would not ask him to. He's got that long speed. But what makes him special to me is he has just rare lower body fluidity. Yeah, he can drop his hips and cut like like a five foot nine receiver. Like he plays like a a receiver who is about six inches shorter than he is. Yeah. He gives you that kind of quick twitch scat ability of a slot receiver in the frame of an X receiver. And you talk about athletic. He has one of the best RAS composites since Calvin Johnson. And 
yes, Mark, yeah, Giants old buddy Mark Ross, he was a little quick on the stopwatch that first night with those 40s. But even with the official times, Christian Watson is really, really fast. And you just don't get wide receivers that have his size and his speed and his his movement skills all that often. The, the last two I can really think of are Kelvin Johnson and Julio Jones. Like that is the level of physical tools that he brings. But you're, you are also absolutely right that it, his development as a receiver is kind of stunted just because he was a track guy when he went to North Dakota State. And then North Dakota State ran a run first, run second, run some more. You know, we'll just run over everybody and even have our wide receiver, our athletic freak wide receiver run the ball offense. So he has some development to do as an NFL professional wide receiver. But man, if you can, if you can figure out a way to unlock that athletic upside, just look out. Absolutely. Next gen stats had Christian Watson of a score of 99 out of a hundred on their highest athletic score. I'm not a hundred percent certain how they quantify that, but it was more than Calvin Johnson, Chase Claypool and Stephen Hill, who the jets selected, I think in the second round or no, not the jets. It was the Panthers. I believe one of those two teams, I think it actually was the jets, but Watson ran a 4.36 with a 38.5-inch vertical, and then he jumped 136 freaking inches in the broad jump, which is just silly, Chris. Yeah, that, like I said, he is just an abs- absolutely ab- absurd athlete for any size, let alone the size that he is. So, yeah, I hope he lands in a place where they know how to use him, both get him involved early and then develop him. Yes. Now, three guys, Chris, I kind of want to bring up. They're all a little bit more undersized, not all really small like Calvin Austin, who was one of them, but they're all a little bit more undersized and they're different types of players. So if you could just give quick synopsis to the listeners on Western Michigan's Sky Moore, Memphis's Calvin Austin III, and Kentucky's Wandale Robinson, and what you think their usage would be in Brian Dable's offense with the Giants. Uh, I see. Go through. Uh, well, we'll go. We'll go in reverse order, because, like I said, I'm, dra- I'm dragging a little bit, so you might have to remind me where we're going. Uh, Wandale Robinson, you actually brought this up. Uh, Kadarius Tony, basically, I think he could be what the Giants are hoping Kadarius Tony can be, just as a. I, I don't want to say a gadget guy, but someone you kind of scheme touches to him. Just get him involved, and he will produce. You know, he has great quickness, great speed, and just kind of get him the ball with room to work. Yeah, Chris, Wandell Robinson is, is interesting. I, I think he might actually have a little bit more deep speed than Kadarius Tony, at least on his tape. This is somebody who transferred in to Kentucky from Nebraska, and I think he has a little bit more deep speed than Kadarius, but I don't think he has the same joystick type of change of direction, although Wondell Robinson still has very, very good change of direction. And then you have Calvin Austin and Sky Moore. Austin, to me, is that deep speed guy, even more speed than Wondell Robinson. Take the top off the defense, has some subtleties to his route running. One of those guys is going to be undersized, but very annoying to tackle in space. <laughs> a lot of linebackers are going to get embarrassed by Calvin Austin the third. Yeah, definitely. Like he was actually, he was a lot of fun to watch at the senior bowl where his speed just put in immediate 
stress on every single DB he goes up against. Like you just line him up in the slot where you know he's going to get a relatively free release and send him deep and watch just every defense you go up against. I don't want to say panic, but they're definitely not going to be comfortable. Yeah. You get that kind of big play ability. It's going to affect a defense. They're going to have to roll coverage over to his size, which can open up things for other guys. And then finally you get to sky Moore out of Western Michigan, Matt, that guy is fun. Like you, you see his size kind of, uh, it, it pops up in his tape. You know, he isn't a super fast speedster, at least not on tape. He, he's got a limited catch radius. He can kind of get bullied by bigger receivers, but man, yeah, you know, he is a nice route runner. He's got good ball skills. He's got really good ability after the catch. And he, dude is a bulldog of a blocker, at least from what I saw. He gets after guys, and he actually has some pretty good technique as a blocker. You know, maybe not George Pickens level blocking, but yeah, you know, there aren't there aren't offensive linemen who block as well as Pickens does out there on the edge. But, stole the next guy from me, dude. I was just about to ask you: Is there uh, a, an X type of receiver that could be found on day two that's better than George Pickens, in your opinion? Uh, maybe Christian Watson, if he slips it out of the first, <laughs> but as far as just right away better, I don't think there is one. Yeah. You know, the, the other kind of guy who's fallen back out of sleeper or back into sleeper status status for me is uh, Jalen Tolbert. But again, I, I would have to have Pickens ahead of him unless somebody just surprisingly falls out of the first round. You know, I, I don't think Drake London is going to, I don't think, uh, Jamison Williams is going to. So, yeah, Pickens could be kind of the value pick on day two, just because that ACL kind of kept him out of the spotlight for most of this past season. But, man, when he is good or when he is healthy, he is good. The one other guy who I think fits that X day two, maybe even day three, which would be a little bit crazy, kind of mold would be Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati. This is somebody who is kind of a really good athlete. And I think he went down to the combine. I'm looking up his scores right now. Yeah, he ran a 4-4-1 down in Indianapolis. And you watch his film, he can get vertical. I wanted him to have a better senior bowl. I felt like his senior bowl, he left a little bit to be desired. But when he showed up to the combine and did the 4-4-1, jumped 40 and a half inches in the vert, 129 in the broad, and then he ran the three cone, which was a seven one three, which isn't great, but the three cones were kind of weird. A lot of people opted out of them this year. I think he's another one that is was on the was on the Bruce Feldman freak list for just great athletes who can step in and be a developmental X if you end up missing on a George Pickens. And some teams may even value a Pierce more than Pickens, which I, I might not be there, but I can understand why teams would at least entertain it. Yeah, he, he is kind of a ridiculous athlete. Like, I think we'd have a lot higher regard for his athleticism if Christian Watson wasn't in this draft. Yeah, he's kind of there overshadowing everybody. But yeah, Alec Pierce, I think he's got that deep speed. He's got the ability to take a top off a of defense. He can high point the ball over defensive backs down the field. He's got that big catch radius. Like you said, he did leave something to be desired at the Senior Bowl. But man, if you can, he's another guy. If you can get somebody to unlock 
what he can do on the field, just fully get him there playing at that level all the time. Another potential steal. Like this draft is just absolutely loaded with them. I I know I say that every single podcast, but it just keeps being true. Yeah. And he's also a player like just turn on his tape against Notre Dame. You could see his ability to win at the line of scrimmage and get vertical. He's making, you know, catch after catch after catch downfield which, you know, is not very easy to do against a team that can recruit as well as Notre Dame. So it's not like he was just feasting on, you know, the temples of the world and the Tulsa's of the world. But Chris, before we get out of here, let's talk about some of these later round guys, these guys who could be had probably on day three. Who are some of your favorite guys in that area of the draft? You know what? I got to go there. Kyle Phillips. You know, the... I think we can pretty much put it down in stone that he will be a New England Patriot, right? It definitely <laughs> seems that way, dude. I mean, he uh, he has that really nifty route running where, like, I turned on UCLA's film when I was watching Oregon, and you just see him getting open. And he just has his knack to get open and make these tough catches in really tight, confined areas. He's not somebody who is the best athlete by any stretch of the imagination, but he's a good route runner. And he's going to be one of those chain moving type of guys in the NFL. Yeah, like if for our listeners out there, if you haven't seen Kyle Phillips play, uh, think back few years he is Wes Welker he is Danny Amendola and for a current example he is Hunter Renfro yeah he is undersized short doesn't have a whole lot of mass to him he is quicker than fast but he just knows how to get open he has like some sort of stealth system where defenses just kind of forget about him and he catches anything that is even close to near him And then he has this annoying ability to just make guys miss and pick up yards. He is dependable. He is, he is going to be that guy next year where we just look at him and go, like, how is he always open? And how did every team miss on him? Another really good route runner. And I haven't seen his film yet, but I watched him down at the senior bowl and I really liked his ability to get open in tight spaces, specifically in the red zone. And that was Boise State's Khalil Shakur. Have you seen his film yet, Chris? Um, again, j- just from what I saw at the senior bowl and I- I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah, he's he's another one that I feel like could be there in the, you know, round four, round five, the Giants punt wide receiver on day one and two, which I totally completely understand if they would want to, but I still think you need to add a wide receiver. He's somebody I feel like that you can entertain around that area of the draft. He's again, not somebody who's huge, but he has solid size. And I feel like he would thrive with his hands, very strong hands and the route running ability, the short to intermediate parts of the field. And I want to bring up some late round guys before I do that, Chris, I know we're going to get out of here soon. I want to just ask you about Justin Ross, the Clemson wide receiver who has, a very plagued injury background when he was at Clemson, but this is somebody who was mocked in the top 10 to the giants a couple of years back. Do you think he can, do you think his concerns are mainly focused primarily about the injuries that he had in college? Or do you think, is there something that you saw on his film that doesn't necessarily translate to the NFL? You know, I do wonder if he has the athleticism to really translate to the next level. But I think his injuries are probably the bigger concern. Yeah. I saw, I I forget who it was, but basically said, watching Justin Ross was kind of like watching Ruben Randall at LSU. 
And yeah, I can kind of see that. They've got the same same basic you know, size, body type. And there are, are a lot of similar, similarities to their game where they're not particularly fast, not particularly explosive. They are very smooth athletes, which I think is a thing you get when a guy isn't faster or quicker than his uh, route running skill set, if that makes any sense. Like they, they don't, he doesn't, doesn't quite have the horsepower to outplay his comfort zone. If that, no, that, no, that makes sense. No, I, I understand what you're so, saying. Yeah, I think he can be kind of a, yeah, what Ruben Randall looked like he was going to become after his rookie year. When he came out, he had a really good rookie year and he just kind of declined each year. Or maybe he could be like a Juju Smith-Schuster type player, where again he doesn't he doesn't have a whole lot of horsepower, but he just wins and he he knows how to work within his own limitations. Which some of the better receivers throughout history have done that. If you know your weaknesses, there's no reason to lean into them. Lean into your strengths, which makes sense. Some of these late late round guys I want to go over because a lot of them ran very fast in the combine. And number one is Bo Melton from Rutgers he ran a 434. I think this is a special teams guy. I wish he had a little bit better hands at the catch point. So I felt like he dropped, had some concentration drops that were a little frustrating, but an explosive player nonetheless. And then Tyquan Thornton from Baylor ran a 428. And I just think when you run in the four twos, teams are probably going to look in your direction. And I just feel like Baylor also just had a you know a lot of dudes who ran very, very fast down there <laughs> at the combine. And also Velas Jones from Tennessee and Danny Gray from SMU are two other names on day three who were very, very fast, ran in the four threes, low four threes. And uh, Jones had some some solid tape at the at the senior bowl during the practices. So I just kind of wanted to throw his name out there as well. Do you have anything on those guys? Yeah, say Taekwon, like you say, when anytime anybody gets down into the four twos, the, the NFL's eyebrows are going to raise up. Like he will absolutely get drafted. He might even go sooner than people think, just because that kind of speed is rare and Offensive coordinators always think they've got a way to use it. So, yeah, that, that is going to get him drafted. That made him money. Valus Jones, I, I liked him. Yeah, I liked him at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, th- There were guys who were better, but he was a guy who always kind of caught my attention whenever he was on the field, and that usually speaks to something good about their game. Yes, and speaking of something good about a player's game who can be had late in the draft – Talk a little bit about Virginia Tech's Trey Turner, Chris. Yeah, he he was a guy, he kind of caught my eye while I was watching uh, the Virginia Tech offensive line on tape. I didn't intend to scout him until I saw him on tape and then, you know, saw he got the invitation to the Shrine game. And he was a he's a guy who I think might actually appeal to Brian Dayball kind of later on in the draft, day three somewhere, as a guy you can get the ball to in space underneath, kind of like a very poor man's version of Traylon Burks or what Christian Watkins was done or was asked to do in at North Dakota state and just get him the ball, get him just a little bit of daylight. Cause if you get him a glimmer of daylight, he's got really good vision, really good contact balance and really good burst, you know, out of his breaks, out of his cuts. And he, he kind of, is one of these players who turns into a running back when you get him the ball in space. 
And, you know, we don't know what kind of offense the Giants are going to want to build. But I have a feeling it's going to be a very quick offense. I don't think there's going to be a whole hell of a lot of, you know, five to seven step drops and bombs away. Yeah, you know, I think they're going to want to get the ball out of Daniel Jones's hands quickly. They're probably going to want to want to have him get rid of the ball on very high percentage throws just to really cut down on the opportunity for giveaways and turnovers. And I think this is kind of going to be a, an offense like what we saw with, with Pat Shermer. And then, you know, when Jason Garrett wasn't able to do the things we know he wanted to do, where the, the giants were almost forced to try to win in spite of their quarterback as opposed to because of their quarterback. Not to say that anything they won with Daniel Jones was in spite of his play, but just they kind of designed an offense where it almost didn't matter who was throwing the ball. I think it's funny, too, with Trey Turner in terms of the New York Giants, because this guy tested very, very poorly. So he might be like a priority free agent. Like he did not test well. But when you read some of the quotes, because I just pulled up his NFL.com, you read some of his quotes. The personnel executive for an AFC team said he might fly under the radar because of his spotty quarterback play, but he's got loads of talent. And it makes sense to me from everything that you said. And then you look at his NFL comparison, and it was an absolute speedster and somebody the Giants are very familiar with, Darius Slayton was Lance Zerline's comparison. So this is somebody, to me, I have not watched this tape, but just collecting this information and then talking to you, somebody who did watch this tape, seems like he probably looked a lot faster and more athletic than he tested at the combine. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. I think he might be a guy who's kind, who kind of falls in that quicker than fast kind of mold where he's got a really good burst, but he doesn't quite have the same long speed to... Uh, yeah carry that into being a true speedster where he gets up to speed quickly and is just fast enough to kind of maintain separation. And it's interesting because I don't know if you saw the video that was going around Twitter around the scouting combine. It was Joe Shane and Brandon Bean talking about Gabriel Davis when Gabriel Davis was at the combine and they were like, Oh man, I hope this guy, you know, runs slow because he's a lot faster than he is. And then they ran a little bit slower. And I think that made them happy and they ended up getting Gabriel Davis a little bit later on in the draft. Trey Turner will be available after the fourth round, which is, I believe is where Gabriel Davis was taken, but maybe it could be, you know, a poor man's version of that. Yeah. Something like that could be uh, a scenario to watch out for. You know, maybe like you said, later in the draft, maybe even a priority free agent. You know, he could be a guy who just slips and falls through the cracks, but has a skill set that can be utilized. You know, it, it wasn't all that long ago. The whole NFL missed Victor Cruz. And then look what he did until his, you know, he had that one devastating injury. Yeah. Teller tear that, that sucked. I remember watching that, but Chris, anything else on the 2022 drafty wide receivers? You know, I think we've covered enough ground for one podcast. All right. Awesome. Hey everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in 
to the Chris and Nick show. That's what we're going to roll with until we come up with something a little bit more clever. Thank you. And also, please go head on over to our website, BigBlueView.com, covering the NFL draft, covering the New York Giants, your beloved New York Giants. And please rate, subscribe, and review this podcast. And please also leave a comment. If you do not like us, you can roast us. Please leave a five-star. That's all we really ask for. Thank you so much, everybody, and take care of yourselves. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.